You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime and find other metahumans like me. I hunted down the man who killed my mother, but in doing so, I opened up our world to new threats. And I am the only one fast enough to stop them. I am The Flash. Welcome to the 602 Club and another year. I am your host, Matthew Rushing, and I am so excited to kick uh, this year off as we are here in the 602 Club with Bruce Gibson on 2018. How's it going, Bruce? It's going well. It's the new year starting off good because nothing bad has happened yet. That's that's <laughs> very true. Cross fingers. Um, right. so, <laughs> oh, man. But I'm, I'm excited uh, to kick off another year here in the 602 Club. And, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Flash Season 2, which I'm, I'm excited to do uh, because going back and thinking about this season, and I, I rewatched it, uh, you know, this... Wow. I don't want to give it away, but I think it might be good. So um, before we completely dive in, just want to remind you, uh, you can find us all over the place um, where wherever you get your podcasts. And one of the best places to find us is over on iTunes or as they now call it, Apple Podcasts. A uh, great place to find us, um, and you can give us a star rating and review while you're over there, and that helps more people find the show. It really is helpful uh, if you do that, and and I promise you, it, you'd be surprised at just how uh, much one or two ratings can do for the show, and uh, go over there. Make it your New Year's resolution. Give the 602 Club a star rating review, and once you do, uh, We'll call you out on the show and thank you for your star rating and review. Uh, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. Like I said, though, uh, any third-party uh, app that you're using, pretty much every major place to get your podcasts, you can find us. You can also find us on Twitter, TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. We've got our listeners-only discussion group, which is the Babel Conference. Bruce is there. And you can find us talking about all sorts of things. Um, now, to find the group, you just want to be on Facebook and type Babel into the search field. Or if you're on our website at trek.fm, you can hit discussion on any of the menu bars, and that would bring you over there. And last but not least, uh, you know, I really liked at the end of the year, I was getting some great emails from people um, talking about different shows or saying thank you for certain shows we did. Specifically, a lot of people really liked Bruce, our Last Jedi show. Um, we got quite a few emails on that. So thank you, everybody, for doing that. Go to trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and you can send us an email. Um, and love getting those, responding to you. And, of course, sometimes there are questions we get to share in the show, so that's really great. Um, Bruce, uh, I wanted to, to start tonight with the fact that um, I remember... So, 
Flash season one ends with them having defeated um, the reverse Flash, but then there's a huge storm in the sky, a wormhole, basically, this this massive storm, and then there's the cliffhanger of Barry running around in the storm and, like, we fade to black. And <laughs> then season two opens up six months later so that they didn't actually tell us how it got resolved. We just know it does get resolved. And so I first just wanted to ask you what you thought of kind of doing that kind of trope of the next season starts a few months later and then they slowly kind of fill in the gaps. I was okay with it. It's just I I don't like it when they do that. I like when a season ends... I don't like this three months, six months later, we're picking up where things left off. It's like, I don't feel like a timeline for a season has to follow the real timeline that we're watching a TV show in. But it didn't bother me in this. I think it's pretty creative to just leave on a cliffhanger like that and then fast forward because there's a lot of time moving around in the flash, but fast forward to a point to see, you know, okay. You mean flash forward? Flash forward, which actually happens a year later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which that's a whole nother topic for another show. Um, but yeah, it didn't bother me because, yeah, you know, Cisco is at the police department. People have kind of moved on and, and, and doing different things. But I don't remember being bothered by it. Not as bothered as I was with some other seasons that came later. Yeah. No, I I, I thought that it was clever to... because. It, you know when you when you leave on that kind of a cliffhanger you know it's going to get resolved and so what i kind of liked is that they used that as a story point in in the sense of like where these characters are going to kind of be going this season and the fact that everybody kind of starts in a place where they're not together and they're kind of at their lowest point you know Barry is very worried about keeping everybody safe. Uh, he's been rebuilding the city in the middle of the night um, with what happened with the singularity. And, um, you know, Cisco still trying to, to help out, but Barry's, you know, telling him he doesn't want his help. You know, the same thing with, with Joe. And Caitlin's moved on to Mercury Labs because she needs a job. Um, and nobody's paying her to be at Star Labs. And so I just, I thought it was a, a great way to kind of start the season on uneven footing in the sense of like everybody's kind of in a strange place. Um, but it also, I think it sets up where their arcs are going to kind of go, um, especially Barry, because, it, you know, for him, this season I think is going to be uh, really pivotal to, to moving that character forward and so I just I I'm with you it didn't bother me and I liked that I kind of liked that we got to see everybody in a different place and kind of get to see a different side of those characters before they all kind of came back together and of course you know that episode ends with this man named Jay Garrick telling the team that's now back together after that first episode of oh hey this this world's in danger like oh great we, we like they just gotten this world back together and now this stranger arrives telling them oh um by the way more danger more danger <laughs> stranger danger but, yeah 
Well, it's it works too because the way the season one ends, I mean, things are in limbo, not just on the cliffhanger, but with Star Labs and what happened with Wells not really being Wells. And so you've you kind of left you're left wondering, well, where does where does that put our characters now? What's going to happen? And instead of picking immediately up, picking up immediately after the last episode of season one, like I was, I prefer most of the times so in this case, I think it works better to go forward because you don't, I don't want to see several episodes trying to rebuild and get them all back together and back into place. It's almost like we get to a point where we start the episode and we say, okay, things have moved on. But now there's a reason to bring them back together, and we get that all in the first episode. Well, and I think like you're right on it. It it gives you a sense of like weight to to what's happened. You know, the fact that you know they they have spent six months apart. The team hasn't been together, obviously, without Harrison Wells or what the world thought was of Harrison Wells. Star Labs is not really a thing anymore, and so all of that, um, I I think is is just really a smart way to deal with everything. And again, I think, you know, for me, kind of walking through these seasons is always hard because the entire television show, there's no way that we can really talk about everything that happens. But really wanted to kind of dive in because I think Barry Allen has a really interesting arc this season. And one of the things that I thought was was kind of fascinating is, you know, in the first season, Barry is kind of very happy-go-lucky and this season, he really kind of has become a little bit more jaded. And he's not as trusting as people. And, and I really kind of like that what happened last season and the things that start to happen this season is, you know, Jay comes in and tells them about the danger from or two with Zoom and everything you can see the weight that it's having on this person. And I thought that that's just really good writing. Like, you know, that that you can't stay that same kind of person that he was in the beginning here. Um, And they're going to do some things throughout the season that are going to help Barry kind of overcome that, um, or at least try to overcome that. But... At the beginning, I just I, I really felt like that the writing was very strong, specifically for the character of Barry and everything he'd been through in that first season and now into the second season. Yeah, he is in the first season very happy go lucky, very lighthearted. I actually like that about Barry in season one, but you can't be the happy go lucky superhero and nothing seems to affect you and everything's just great and wonderful. In season two, it seems like Barry has matured into being a superhero where he has to deal with some tragedies, be a little more responsible, be a little more grown up about things because he is carrying the weight of Central City and Star Labs and his friends all on his shoulder. And you can't be just happy-go-lucky in an environment in situations like that. So seeing Barry in this season two, this is the point where I felt like, okay, he's not new to being the flash. He is the flash. And I felt like this is when it really melted and and came together. And now he's dealing with a big, bad baddie in this and, and all kinds of confusion going on. And that's what really starts to happen in all the flash series, whether the comics and stuff, 
there's so much going on with timelines and different villains and who they are and who they aren't. And so I feel like this was the season that really defined the Flash TV series. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, uh, and, and it's interesting because it parallels, I think, Arrow season two in that way. I think Arrow mm-hmm. season two is the one that really defined that show, um, you know, when you had Deathstroke um, and uh, just th- that season was so hard than Eclipse for me for, I mean, and I, I like the subsequent seasons of Arrow, but I, I, honestly, the same thing has happened with season two of Flash. Um, season one and season two were so strong, and I think season two was even stronger that it's been hard for me to like season three and season four of flash have been it's they've had a lot to live up to basically like i think you're absolutely right this has kind of been the one that cemented what the flash tv show could be and barry in this season i think it was so interesting too because he is dealing with the ramifications of the fact that it wasn't him who beat the reverse flash. It was Eddie by Eddie giving up his life. And so I, I thought that that was a really nice thing for them to play with, with Barry still kind of chasing the reverse flash because he didn't stop him. And he, he feels almost like, I think he feels guilty, you know, that it wasn't him giving his life it was Eddie, the way that affect Iris. You know, I felt like that was just a really nice pull for them to bring out and bring into his character arc of, of having to find a way to let the past go, especially when you can't change it. And that will play into some things that we'll see Barry for season three. <laughs> like, yeah, can right. you go back and change the pat? You know, like, so he, but, but Joe really trying to drag him out of that kind of, um, I don't know if self pity or anything, but it, I think it's just, uh, guilt of not being the one who was the hero, um, and saving everybody's life. And that, you know, you can't save everybody and you, you have to be okay with the fact that you can't be everywhere at once. So Barry is a reminded of the people he's lost and he feels like he takes that responsibility, you know, with Eddie and, and Iris being depressed about Eddie being gone. And then also when we lost Ronnie and he feels responsible for that and Caitlin de- being down and depressed, everybody's getting depressed now thinking about it, but, uh, it's a lot going on. And, uh, I think again, that's where he really, I think gets to the point where he realizes that, you know, having super speed isn't all fun and games and there is a responsibility and it's not just him, but I think all the characters, I think at first they're all thinking it's pretty cool that, you know, he can have the super speed and, and Cisco's naming villains. It's, you know, almost like, you know, they're just geeking out about having superpowers. Then all of a sudden reality hits and it's like this, People die and now reality is hit and there's a sense of responsibility, not just with Barry, but everyone on the team. Yeah, I really like I really like that. And and I I think it's it's really smart. You know, Barry already came into the show with the loss of his mother, but now other people have been affected by 
um, the powers that he has in, in different ways. Like you said, with uh, Caitlin losing Ronnie, Iris losing Eddie. And, I mean, so you see kind of the cost that the life that they've all chosen to lead can bring, you know, and, and like you said, that there are consequences to your actions, and there are consequences to being in a life of superherodom, you know, like you said, it's, it's not, you know, uh, the, the super friends, you know, the, where nobody gets hurt and everybody comes home safe at the end, like, that's not how it actually works, and I think that's a really smart thing to point out, and I think that adds to the character of Barry and his that kind of weight that he has because especially too, I I was really shocked about this season is the way that they brought zoom in so quickly. Um, And he kind of upends the first part of the season and takes away Barry's mojo, which I thought was really interesting too, where Barry's feeling that how can I protect anybody? Like he, it, it, it feels like that weight, comes crashing down on him and I I really felt like that that was smart to kind of find a way to kind of deconstruct the character of Barry a little bit this season so they can try and build him back up because spoiler alert by the end the very end of the season Barry is going to be very broken like He's going to be fixed, and then Zoom is going to do the thing that is just going to kind of destroy him again, and he's going to make a decision that's going to change history, literally. Um, And so I I think watching him having to try to go through this is is just fascinating to me. And it makes sense. I mean, I feel like it needs to happen. I think it's a requirement to have Barry go through this for the reasons I was saying earlier, you can't be happy go lucky all the time, but that's one of the things I always liked about Barry is that he was just kind of a chill kind of guy and having fun. And I miss some of those things. And so to see this downward, downward spiral of him being affected by all these things is in some ways depressing for me because and even his love for Iris gets a little bit too much for me too <laughs> sometimes. But, uh, you know, it, it's still fun. I still enjoy the series, uh, in, especially in season two. But it really hurts because in the first season, you really start to love these characters. In the second season, you really start to feel for them. And you don't want to see bad things happen. But that's what happens in superhero shows. And it's just... It's just depressing to to see these things happen to Barry and, and the crew. And, and it's just, yeah, by the end of the season, I wasn't too happy. I'm kind of jumping ahead. Since no, you let's, the let's do that. I mean, so, um, well, first, before we get to the very end with Barry, because that's where his arc comes in. Um, but how did you feel, uh, you know, the runaway dinosaur where Barry's in the Speed Force you know, he had given his his power to Zoom to save Wally, and uh, the Harry Wells from Earth Two talks him into recreating the accident uh, to give him back his powers, and he disappears into the Speed Force, 
And what did you think about that whole episode as he's trapped inside the Speed Force and the Speed Force is trying to help him come face to face with his mother's death and that it's okay that he didn't save her? That Yeah, that was that was a powerful episode for sure. Um and I think it really teaches the lesson that you can't change what has happened, whether you have that power to go back into the past, maybe things need to stay the way they are. And if you change the past, it can have even worse consequences down the road, which I think, you know, we start to see later, but I think there was a, a huge lesson in that. And I'm not even sure if he really learned from it. Maybe initially he did, but later on, I don't know if he really got the lesson that, uh, you know, what happened to his mother. Now, is that the episode two that he actually got to talk to her? Yes. As, as older mm-hmm. Barry. Right. Yep. So that was great too, because I felt like that was a, a, a chance for him to say his goodbyes to her and explain and kind of show, you know, what happened, even though she was dying and she's not going to remember and things like that. So it was very, it was very deep. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I- because what's so interesting about that episode is that Barry comes face to face with it and he gets his powers back and he comes back and he kind of feels like he can do no wrong like that they're going to win like and the 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 group is kind of worried about him because he seems to have kind of lost all of those that reserve that he had had at the beginning of the season you know, where they were kind of getting on a, a him for, you know, not trusting people or being a little bit too reserved. You know, now they're, like, worried about him because he seems completely different. Like, he he seems almost, like, cavalier about, you know, what's going to happen. And it's not until the moment that Zoom takes away Henry that things kind of come back back to haunt him a little bit and I th- I thought that that was it was interesting to see Zoom try and make Barry like him like say you're no different than I am and in the end I guess I, the question I wanted to ask you is where we end up with Barry basically creating Flashpoint at the end of the season uh, where he's going to go back in time and he's going to save his mother. Is he maybe not worse than Zoom in that moment? Because he's rewriting all of time. He's not just like, I don't know. It it, it seems like maybe maybe he, he really needs to learn some lessons here. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if he's worse than Zoom, but I mean, he's playing God and that's something he shouldn't be doing and uh you know again i just to think that i was actually kind of surprised though that he at the end of the season he wanted to go back and save his mother because i really felt like he had learned that that was something that had to happen because if it didn't who knows what the future would be and i i I thought that he had learned that it needs to happen, he, and he came to peace with it. But obviously he didn't. It seemed to just break him, and maybe he was suppressing his feelings, and then later they just erupted out of him. 
you know, and, and his father, you know, he, he's just got his father back into his life. I mean, it's just, if anything, I think that would have helped ground him now that his father's out of jail. But that didn't seem to do anything for him. Yeah, you know, um, I think that that might have been it in, in the sense that, like, he was able to make peace with his mother being gone, but he had his father there, right? And, and, and so there was that one consolation for Barry. He had that, he had Joe, he's got Iris, he's got the rest of the team, you know, um, he has those people. And the moment that Zoom took his father away, it almost does feel like that at the very end of the season, there is this brokenness in him again, but in a new way of like, there's what else could you take away from me? Like I, and I, I do feel like for him, it's just, it's a place where heroes are people too. And if you don't take the responsibility really keenly, when you have these kind of powers, you can un- upend the universe. And Barry makes a mistake that it ends up hurting other people. You know, like through the, through season three, it's going to hurt other people. Um, it's going to create some bad things to happen to other people that aren't him. You know, so um, it, yeah, it was um, it was hard because I felt like season two was so is so good, and then you kind of left on that note, and you're like, oh man. So, and it's one of those things, though, where you're in a longer arc. You know, Barry had his his arc to go through for season two, but then when you think about it, he's also a part of however many seasons the show is going to run, and his arc will be something that hopefully when you watch all of the seasons together, once the show is finally complete you kind of have a full sense of the character of Barry Allen, and this is just a part of it. Um, And so, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I I wanted to ask you, so speaking of his father, Harry Allen does get released from prison because uh, Wells Thawne, whoever he was, (laughs) confesses to the murder. He he was Thawne um, in Wells' skin, so that's weird. Um, (laughs) Yeah. How did you feel, though, about the fact that Henry Allen is released from prison and then he kind of immediately leaves and isn't really around this season? That was really strange to me. That If there's one thing that I don't really like about this season, it's that. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because if you didn't, I was. That was something I so remember complaining at the time because all in season one, it's about, you know, his father's in jail and he wants to get him out and he shouldn't be in there. He's innocent. And then, you know, he gets out and he's like, dad, he comes over to Joe's and they have this party and he's like, dad, it's so great to have you back. He's like, yeah, yes, son. So, uh, I'm going to go on a little trip for a while. I'm going to be out of town. So it was great seeing you. I'm out of jail and I'm ready to go away for, for, for some period of time. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like you're reunited with your son and, you Apparently reunited and it doesn't feel so good. <laughs> right. Like, what the heck was that? And I kept thinking, well, I guess they don't have the actor for the season, but they did bring him back. I mean, I just felt like they could have, I don't know, done something a little different with that and just, I don't know, tell say see, that he's out and he's got a job right. and you just don't see him all that often. See, something. what I thought, it, 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 to me, 
what would have made, I think, a better... Because the reasoning that Henry gives is he doesn't want to get in the way of Barry being the Flash. But I feel like what would have been a better explanation is to say, Barry, I have just spent in you know, the last, you know, however many years in prison. I need some time in a place that's not the city, that's not this busy. I, I, I need some time, you know, at, and we see him, he's at that cabin, right? So just explain to Barry, hey, I need some time away. You know, right. from all of this, the, the just the closeness, I need to feel the wide open spaces, basically. That makes so much more sense. And then he could just be like, Barry, come see me. You you can run as fast as you can run. Come see me whenever you want. Um, I just, I can't be in the city right now. You know, like, do something like that where a guy who's been in prison for like the last, what, 15 years? That makes sense. You That you need to feel like free. Of, well, you know, or, you or know? reverse it, reverse yeah. it. Maybe have Barry say, hey, you know, Barry and Joe, you know, we're giving you these tickets for a cruise around the world. You've been cooped up in prison and we're glad to have you back. And, you know, you deserve to see the world and, and get away from it all. Yeah, something. And something like, and, and just say, you know, go whenever you want. It's, it's whenever you want to go. And he's just like, okay, great. I'll go now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was just something that was weird to me because it's like, how are you going to get in the way of being there for your son? Like, how is that going to get in the way of him being the flash? And I, I mean, I, they do, like you said, they bring him back later on in the season. Um, but it just seemed very strange. And, it, and maybe it is just because they didn't have him for that amount of time the actor but i just felt like maybe we should think of a better reason to kind of let him not be on the show for a few episodes than just like i don't want to get in the way of you being the flash good job son you know like it just seems very odd for a character that has been out of prison for like 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) right oh geez um well, what? Okay, so as well, I think I think we've already mentioned the fact that we really like season two. But what did you think of our new villain in Zoom? Jay Garrick, Hunter Solomon, take your pick. Yeah, because they're all the the same person, uh, or they're at least aliases. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, first of all, with Jay, I really like Jay as a character, um, and and he was good for for Caitlin too because she had a, a love interest in him, and uh, Jay just seemed like a really cool guy. And it's disappointing that you know he's not really that great of a guy. Zoom was a is a great villain, and like you were saying in the Speed Force, you know, and and just you know being a super mean Flash in a sense. But you know, it was some of the things were confusing when it became, when it came to Earth Two. I, did we? I, you know, there were some of the mysteries in there. There, like there was the guy that was in the that was imprisoned. Yes, that turns and that out ended to up be, being the real one. Yeah, that turns out to be the real Jay Garrick from Earth Three. Right, of Earth Three. <laughs> right, and that was probably one of my favorite episodes. Not that one necessarily, but the one where they actually all go to Earth Two. Yes, yes, those two episodes were fantastic. Yeah. 
But I don't know. What did you think of the villain? I'm not that big into villains, actually. Yeah. I mean, villains are okay to me, but it's not like they're my favorite things of the show. What I thought that they did well is that they introduced a very strong villain at the beginning who's obviously very fast. Um, he's voiced But by- is Barry really the fastest man alive? Yeah. Because it seems like everybody's get- turning faster. out to be faster. Um, well, and what I loved about Zoom is that he was um, voiced by Tony Todd, who we both know from Star Trek. Um, so, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, that's that's, that's the the Zoom voice. Um, but then having the character of Jay Garrick come over and say he's you know a, a Flash from her two and all of these things and and uh, find his way into the team and what I, what what they did is they kind of created a, a version of season one and did that in a in a, in a mirrored version way you know like it, it's not quite the same but there are similarities but i felt like they did it well enough so that i didn't feel like it was just a copy of season one i, I feel like what's what's crazy is that they were able to one up season one with season two which is just one plus one equals two so yeah rudimentary math here on the the 602 club uh, that's all I can do after Ruby serves me the drinks. Uh, and it created a villain who who was really strong because he had that alter ego of, of Jay. And the way that they played it in the season, I feel like you had a really hard time figuring out how Jay could be the bad guy. Because Zoom would be there and then Jay would be there. Right. You know, um, and they they drop hints, you know, earlier uh, in the season before you kind of find out the full revelation of who he is. Like, you know, they have the time remnant of Fawn come back. So they introduce the idea of time remnants. But my brain in this season never even thought of the first time. Oh, a time remnant. That's how he's being in two places at once. Like. But the fact that he's so smart and he's he's able to use these these time remnants to be in two places at once to make it look like he's not the the villain that he's really this good guy Jay Garrick I thought it's just really strong and I honestly have to say I think he's one of the best villains in any CW season and I thought what kind of made him interesting too is that he's completely different than Thawne and and uh wells from season one wells had that really personal connection with and and the reverse flash always has this really personal connection with it being about barry right but with zoom it's just he wants to be the fastest and so you know he has this greed for speed you know the fact that he created the velocity and everything that's killing him i thought was fascinating and so i just i feel like he's a really strong villain and then what made it so creepy at the end was that he had quote unquote fallen for Caitlin. So when he like kidnaps her and brings her to Earth too, it's just and you know he's a serial killer too as well. Like right. Yeah, it's they just they they create a really fascinating villain and and one who I, I don't ever feel connected to in the sense like I can you know, you have those villains that oh, I can understand the villain's motivation and stuff, like, oh, where they're coming from. I don't understand Zoom at all that way, and I'm not supposed to. I hope I don't, because otherwise I'm, you know, a serial killer. Um, But they they created somebody who you wanted to believe in, and then when they turned on you, 
it it gets super creepy. So, and I th- I thought that they did a great job with Caitlin in that way and and using that to really just show how maniacal and evil Zoom really is. And I like how they were using the different the breaches between the universes that he, how he was using them and they were using them to try to capture him and they were closing breaches and then they're going through breaches. And then we even saw zoom kill Jay through one of the, yes, we did. Yeah. Which then that got confusing. Cause it's like, well, wait, how could they be the, we layer, how could they layer be the same person? So, but it's all that speed, you know, back and forth or what. I mean, there's just so much stuff that's going on between, I feel like even as we get to season three, things become even more more confusing, and and you almost have to put like a board on your wall and kind of track things. Yeah, season three is its own zones. thing. It's <laughs> confusing, <laughs> right? And it's hard to talk about season two having already seen season three, and now we're going we're in season four, halfway through season four now. But um, I did like that uh, how they would play the breaches and and Cisco discovering his powers through this whole thing and what he could use with those to to help stop zoom. No, I, I really liked the fact that he got powers and that he was vibe. And I thought it was interesting him kind of trying to, and and that's a very interesting arc that Cisco has throughout the entire season of trying to deal with the fact that he has these powers and he doesn't want anybody to know. Uh, and, you know, uh, Stein uh, is the first one that, that kind of finds out that he does, and he asks him not to tell anybody. Um, and, and slowly but surely, he's able to kind of become more and more comfortable with him. And it's like you said, when they visit Earth 2, and he sees um, Reverb, the alter ego of himself, and the and what he can do, that he realizes just how powerful he might be able to become and becomes, I think, more comfortable than with using those powers. And I just, I thought that was really interesting because you wouldn't think Cisco, who's been helping Team Flash for this long, would be shy about getting his own powers. Right. And I also like in Earth 2 that when he sees himself in that universe... I think he starts to realize how, you know, he could be cooler, just like that guy, you know. <laughs> it's like his his doppelganger is just a little more cool and like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm the cool Cisco and you're just the joking around Cisco and such. And then the whole Killer Frost thing. This is the thing that bothers me sometimes about these superhero shows. It's like all the people that our friends with the superhero eventually get powers. Like everybody becomes a superhero at some point. I think the only person in this show that hasn't had powers is Joe. Joe just likes to point. He's a good pointer. (laughs) You know, some episodes, Joe's always pointing to people. I'm just saying that's his superpower. He's the pointer. (laughs) You know, um, so I think knowing the comics, I always knew that Caitlin Snow would somehow turn into Killer Frost because that's her character's name uh, and that's who she is in the comics. Um, And I was always interested in how they were going to deal with her then becoming Killer Frost. Um, And obviously that doesn't happen until season three. Spoiler alert. But um, I I enjoyed here in season two, you know, 
for Caitlin, we just talked about Cisco, but she has a really interesting arc of having lost Ronnie, dealing with that loss, and then falling for Garrick, and then dealing with him turning out to be a psychopathic, speeding serial killer. You know, um, poor girl. She's had a really rough time of it. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, the character of Caitlin's one that I've always really liked because she kind of always found a way to overcome those things. And this season sets up a lot of barriers for her to find her way back to being somewhat happy in life. And I, and I, I just appreciated that they didn't kind of rush that for her. Like, that they allowed... I, I think it's good for shows to be able to allow a character to go through uh, a good period of mourning when they've lost somebody. Um, and to show that that's okay to not be okay. Uh, and Caitlin's not okay for a bunch of this season, you know, until Jay starts to kind of bring her out of her shell. And then, of course, he turns out to be a wacko. So I, I, you end up feeling really bad for Caitlin this season. And then, of course, her meeting herself in Killer Frost and seeing this other side of her is it, it's fascinating. I, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say about then when she sees herself as Killer Frost, because having lost Ronnie and now you know, having a new relationship with Jay and she starts, you know, getting over Ronnie, I guess, in a sense. And like you said, coming out of her shell and then everything that happens there with Jay and then seeing herself as Killer Frost. I mean, I'm surprised she hasn't lost herself totally. I mean, she's (laughs) (laughs) she's really kept it together well. I mean, she's not happy. And you can, she does a very good job. The actress does a very good job portraying Caitlin and what she's struggling with. Um, and there were times I used to wonder if they were trying to set it up that Caitlin and Barry would be a couple, but I, I don't see that now. But um, I, yeah, I think out of all the characters in season two, she's the one I felt sorry for the most. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, you know, thinking at it like that, when you when you we kind of lay out exactly what Caitlin goes through this season, yeah, I think uh, next to Barry losing his father, <laughs> on top of having you know thought he'd be okay, you know letting go letting go of it all with his mother, yeah, I, I think you're right. Caitlin definitely has it really bad in this season. Um, as with all of these shows, we end up with some new characters. And of course, you know, it's it's not a show. It's not The Flash without Tom Cavanaugh as some version of Wells. What did you think of uh, the new version of Harry Wells from Earth 2? This is my favorite version of Harry Wells. Me too. Okay, good. Uh, you know, the first Wells in season one... I can't really put my finger on it. I just I just didn't really warm up to that character. And maybe maybe that was part of the plan for that season because he turns out not really being Wells. See, if anybody hasn't watched Flash and you're listening to us talking, you're probably like, yeah, this show does sound confusing. Everybody's not who they're supposed to be. But <laughs> but now in this season we have Wells from Earth 2. 
And he's very similar in a lot of ways with the season one Wells. I think he's a little more down to earth and a little more approachable. But I also down think to that earth too. Down to earth too. <laughs> down <laughs> to earth too. Sounds like it should be an 80s song. <laughs> You're not going to sing it, are you? No, I'm not. Because I don't know the words. It's from Earth 2. I don't know Earth 2 music. Come on, Bruce. You know that. I don't speak Earth 2. No, you don't. But I think the thing that I also, for me, what really, what I really like about this character compared to the first Wells is the fact that he does have his daughter and that gives him a whole nother dimension. He's just not the brilliant scientist in the lab. He's also a dad. And so I think that also helps him relate to Barry more. Because when uh, you know Barry's dad is there and then gone, Wells is kind of a, the father figure, not just to his own daughter, but also to Barry and the rest of the team. So I do like this Wells a lot more. You know what I what I love about this Wells is that, like you said, he's kind of a mirror for the Wells we had the first season. Um, he's also semi responsible for creating Zoom on accident, uh, and he. But but on the same on the different side, obviously, Wells we knew from the first season wasn't really Wells; it was Thawne, and so it was the Reverse Flash, and so this Wells actually is, you know. Harry Wells and I, I, I love I, I'm right there with you. I like this Wells because he's kind of no nonsense. Uh, he's very matter of fact. Uh, he's very gruff. He doesn't like people to know that he cares, but he really does care. And what I liked is when they revealed that he had a daughter. And he realized that he's not just doing this to try and save his earth. He's trying to do this to save his daughter. He's trying to be a good father. Um, and he realizes he made some big mistakes that put her in the position that she's in. Because what we find out is that Zoom is holding his daughter. And so, um, and I just, I love that whole thing. And I, I really enjoy the character of Jesse. Um, and I've always liked that. Uh, I don't know, for some reason, I like the actress that's playing Jesse. Um, and I like that she becomes Jesse Quick. That's a whole other story. Um, but, um, you know, I just, wait, you mean somebody else has superpowers? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, but that, that Wells specifically, and what they even do with him too, where he has to make the choice do I choose my daughter or do I choose this earth in Flash? You know, and he chooses his daughter. Um, and and I, he even said it right up front to Barry, like I think the first time that they met, where he's like, I will betray you. Um, you know, and he does. He betrays him for his daughter, but then, of course, he confesses and they find a way to, to get through it um, because he confesses the fact that, hey, Flash has my, Zoom has my daughter. And that's why one of the reasons that they, they go to Earth 2. And so, I, yeah, I just, I, he's a character that I really like, and I'm, I'm always thankful when they bring him back, and he's the Wells that I want to spend the most time with. Um, he, he just, I, I think he's the ultimate version of Wells in all the multiverses at this point. Yeah, and Jesse, I, I do like the Jesse character, and I was surprised that we saw as much of her as we did because when she was 
finally brought into the mix with the rest of the characters, I thought it was probably one or two episodes and then they were going to write her off as leaving or something. But she's she stayed around off and on. And she's there's a really good dynamic between her character and Wally and all the others. And, uh, and, and with Wells himself. And she challenges Wells, too. And I like that. I like the fact that, you know, he's not the perfect father and she's pointing that out to him. And she's also pointing out that she's got to live her life and she can't live in his protection all the time. He can't live his life just trying to protect her at all times. She's got to take her own chances and her own risks and he needs to let go. So I like that dynamic of those two characters. It really worked well for this season. Yeah, I could, I, I could see that for uh, a dad of two daughters. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I hope they don't get superpowers, though. Yeah, that would be. Although I'm, I'm pretty sure that Madison would like that. So absolutely, she already has created herself <laughs> as a superhero on paper. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I, I want to talk about Patty, but before we do that, I want to ask you about Wally because we do finally bring in Wally West. We learn in this season that Joe had been married, that his wife Francine wasn't, um, gone, um, that she's alive. And we find out actually that she's dying. So Iris and Joe have to deal with that situation, but they also have to deal with the fact that she has another son. She has a son named Wally that she didn't tell Joe about. And so we add that into the mix. And how did you feel like Wally kind of fit into the whole mix here in season two? When it comes to Wally, I first want to talk about his mom and Iris's mom and Joe's ex-wife. I and mean, she's, in my opinion, just very selfish. Um, for She left Joe and then she doesn't tell Joe that they have a son. And then it seems like she's only appearing because she's dying and she basically wants something from them. And I didn't like who she was. And so I was concerned therefore that if this woman raised a son, what is Wally going to be like? And I was really thinking that things were not going to go well between Joe and Iris and Wally. And for the first few episodes of their relationship it you know it was a little tough a little rocky but not real bad and even with Barry uh you know just Wally trying to fit in and Raleigh's Wally's racing cars and doing some dangerous things and but he seems very grounded and then it didn't take long for him to just fit into the family and I just liked seeing Wally getting along with his dad and Iris and Barry and uh, just fitting into the family and, and the group overall before, you know, even not really getting in. And, you know, of course, he wants to be a speedster, too, like everybody else. <laughs> but, I want to uh, be a speedster. <laughs> I, I actually like what they did with Wally. I mean, they could have gone a totally different direction with Wally. He could have been a real troubled kid that is getting himself into really bad trouble. And it just, again, it would have been another storyline. It just would get a little depressing for Joe and, and Iris. Yeah, I, I do. I actually have to uh, completely agree with you. I think you put it really well that this could have gone really badly. It could have gotten very tropey 
uh, TV wise and, and just, uh, you know, you bring in the son that they didn't know about and he's really troubled and, you know, it, yeah, Wally at the beginning, I mean, he's a street racer, you know, um, he, he likes speed, um, and he doesn't really want to be taken care of by Joe, but I, I felt like that the way that they, they bring him and Joe and Iris together. And then of course, Barry, because Barry's part of the family, um, they bring them all together throughout the season is good. Um, and it works and it makes sense for him to kind of be wary of all of these people, but then find a new home, you know? And I think in season two, Wally works really well. Um, and, and part of that is because they found a way to use Jesse and Wally specifically, I think, to accentuate the characters that, I hate to say this, but we really cared about, like, you know, Harrison Wells or uh, Joe or Iris or Barry. And they're, they're able to use those characters kind of, kind of, uh, like Jesse and Wally to build those other characters. And I, I think that works well for this season. And, and I think what's interesting too is that they're, they're a part of this sense of family. And Barry, you know, as we talked about his arc, this whole struggle with losing family, but having this other family. And, and so the fact that this family kind of slowly keeps getting bigger even though Barry keeps losing people in his immediate family is, is interesting to me. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Wally in this season, I think actually works pretty well. Yeah. And Barry has this other family now he's lost his immediate family. Now he's got a new family. The last, the new character that we got in the season that I wanted to ask you about, because somebody really ended up liking was Patty. I mean, put it this way. So in Arrow, or in the Green Arrow, uh, you would normally get him with Black Canary. Um, and uh, who's either Dinah Drake or uh, Laurel Lance uh, in in the comics. and But they create this character in the show of Felicity, who he falls for, and everybody ends up loving them together, and that's what they go with in Arrow. So in season two, they create this character of Patty, who I absolutely loved with Barry, and I, I might actually like her more than Iris. And they keep taking, they keep creating these amazing women for them to be with, but then they keep taking them. Like it's so frustrating because I, I, I was almost, I was almost hoping that they were going to buck the comics in that sense and not just have it be Barry and Iris. I was hoping that they were going to bring in Patty and have them be together. Cause I really, really enjoyed her relationship with Barry. I really find it interesting what you just said about the, the characters and the comics and who they're supposed to end up with and bringing those into the series because a lot of times it doesn't always work for me or I don't like the person they're falling in love with. Like, you know, Clark and Lana in Smallville. I mean, Lana was okay, but of course now he ends up with Lois, but him pining over Lana really got to be a little too much. <laughs> like and my daughter Madison hates Lana. 
hates her with a passion. But she actually fast forwards every time Clark is with Lana, she fast forwards through those parts. But anyway, um, and you know, Felicity is a great character for Oliver and Arrow. But again, I you know, I think we know that they don't end up together. Iris doesn't bother me well, though. At least in the comics. Yes, in so, the comics, I mean, right? At least in the comics. Huge spoiler alert! <laughs> don't listen if you don't want to know something about Arrow season six. But right. yeah, I mean they're married now. So can you imagine it's season six? Wow! And um, right in the comics. So then we've got Iris, and Iris doesn't really bother me that much in the show. But you're right; I kind of like Patty a little better for Barry. I don't know. I think it was just the dynamics of the two. And maybe it's because when the writers write a series like this and they know that they want to have uh, two characters get together, they try to stretch it out. And so it's this yin and yang. And it's like one now is feeling this way and the other's not. And then that one's now feeling this way and the other's not. And the timing's not right. And it gives this back and forth and it really gets old. But then with Patty, they allowed it to just move forward. And then, then of course, they ended it. <laughs> you know. Well, and and I, I mean, it's interesting because they end it because Barry won't fess up to her that sh- that he's the Flash, even though at the very end she tricks him into revealing he is the Flash by telling her that the, the telling him that the train that she's on <laughs> is is in trouble, and of course the Flash shows up, um, and she knows, uh, and. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Barry not wanting to tell somebody that, that he is the Flash. Um, it's a big deal, and he's worried because it's put a lot of people in danger, the people that know. Um, obviously, you know, Zoom, knowing who these characters are, and, and, of course, if you're watching season four of Flash, the villain knowing who all of these people are puts them in danger and so i can totally understand that but you know with with patty i felt like this is a character who can handle herself and deserves to know and deserves the chance to be with you and so and i just i really the actress was fantastic and the chemistry they had was wonderful now i'm there's nothing against the the girl who plays iris I think she does a fantastic job, and I think she has good chemistry with uh, Grant Gustin. Um, but there was just something I really liked. There's just something about Patty that I really liked, and I was disappointed that they didn't move that forward, that relationship at all, and, and give them a real shot, basically, of her becoming the felicity of this show that people love too much to allow them to not be together in the end. I can see that. She seems like a character that is strong enough that if they don't have a place for her in Flash, she would work well in maybe another of the series that are going on in the Arrowverse. Or even give her her own cop series or something to that effect. Or maybe she comes her own superpowers and she gets her own series. <laughs> yes, because everybody needs superpowers. Yes, everybody um, but Joe and Iris. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, you know, it, it's interesting too um, because I feel like Joe and Iris's arcs throughout the season really are in service of everybody else. Like Iris went through a really big deal of losing her her fiance 
Um, and I, I, I just feel like they're, I, I like the, the, the character work that they have done for them, but it, it's not something that stands out in my mind like all the other things that we've talked about. And that's not a bad thing because when you're doing an ensemble show like this, really, I mean, obviously Barry is the, the main character, but really it's become an ensemble where all of these characters are, are people that we want to follow and we want to see what happens to them. Um yeah, I, I I don't feel like it's 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 like the most amazing things happen to them, but they're such great characters, and I love every time they're on screen. And I have to say, you know, specifically with Joe, his relationship with Barry to me is still kind of the core of this show. I still feel like beyond Barry and Iris, or you know, Barry with anybody else, it's Barry and Joe in this together. And I really love that there's that father-son dynamic between him and and Joe. And of course, you know, I, I think Harrison Wells from her too, Harry, is really the the character that um is that true second father figure, especially now that Henry's gone. The first episode we called it My Two Dads. Well, Barry still has two dads, even by the end of this season. Um and I, I just, yeah, I've, I've, I've always really liked that about the Flash, that, that really strong father dynamic. I think that's a good thing that you pointed out because a lot of times in some TV shows, I feel like when there's a parent, the parent really doesn't feel like a real parent. It feels like just an actor being goofy or not really understanding how to be a parent. But I think Joe definitely feels like a father figure to Barry. He really comes across as a father. I really believe him to be a dad to Barry, a dad to Iris and a dad to Wally. And, uh, that's, you know, Jesse L. Martin plays that part and of Joe West. And I, I, I think he does a great job in this series and he's got great chemistry with all the characters. I I think I get the sense that, you know, he's probably well liked and well respected on the set by the actors. I just get that feeling when I see his performances on the show. I I agree with you. Um, I, I, he is. He honestly might be my favorite part of the show. Just because of what you said, like he's he is kind of the heart and soul of of what's happening, you know. And and without him, I don't think Barry would be who he is, you know. In a lot of the ways that where, you know, Clark Kent is who he is because of Ma and Pa Kent. Um, I, I think that, you know, we ha- owe it in this show, at least in this version of The Flash, to uh, Joe West. And so um, I guess, uh, Josh, we, uh, again, we scratched the surface of this. This is one of the most jam-packed seasons of The Flash. There really is so much going on, and there's so many revelations. There's so many neat things that happen and so many aha moments that happen. So uh, let us know what you thought. But uh, Bruce, what would you rate this season, do you think? I would say that this season and season one are very close for me as being my favorite seasons. I know we were only halfway through four, so it's not like we have a bunch of seasons we're comparing to. But again, I think what I mentioned earlier, Barry's character has matured into this season. And... So maybe I would say I like season two just slightly more than season one, just edges out a little. Cause I feel like not just the character, but the show itself has found its rhythm and it's, 
and its maturity and its development and storytelling. And the fact that we have Zoom, we have a really good villain involved and Jay and, and the ups and downs that these characters have gone through. And Cisco has always been one of my favorite characters just because he, he can be goofy and smart at the same time. And uh, even him having an interest in Kendra and we've kind of kicked off uh, Legends of Tomorrow from this season of The Flash. So um, I would rate this uh, probably four and a half times the speed of light. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) It's really fast, by the way. Um, And I think The Flash can, can... can almost run that fast so um because you know he can go faster than light because he he has to be able to to time travel so he's the fastest Um, man alive yeah he is um you know uh, when you were saying what you said about um you know obviously not having a lot of seasons to compare it to um when I think back to season one of flash I think I think I may have rated that like four stars or or four something i think that this season of the flash season um season two is 4.7 times past light speed yeah so um made a a lot of special modifications myself um but I mean, it's just, it is, it's a great season of television. And I have to say, I I really loved going through the rewatch of this one because it was so strong. Um, I mean, they're really, I, I am hard pressed to find really anything in this season where I'm like, I, and I think I mentioned one thing earlier, and that was the the part about uh, Henry Allen and, and the way they dealt with his return. I think that's the only thing that knocks .25 off of this season. It's just an awesome season of television, and it really works. And I, I absolutely 100% adore it. Like This is one of the seasons of the CW TV, along with season two of Arrow, where, I mean, I've watched them twice before, but I would go back and watch them again because they are that good. Um, and I just enjoy everything that happens in them. So, yeah, I hope... Um, let us know what you thought over on the Babel Conference. I really appreciate the fact that uh, we get to do this here in the 602 Club because of our amazing associate producers through Patreon, Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson. They have been faithfully supporting the 602 Club for years now, and I, I just I'm I'm so thankful for them, and I'm really thankful to all the listeners who support this uh, whole entire network through Patreon. It, it's a massive enterprise to put all this together, and there's no way that we can do it without your help. So go to Patreon.com/slash/TrekFM, see how you can support the network. Each and every little bit helps every month, and we've got some great perks for you. Um, We've got exclusive content, uh, early access to content. You can also be in the Patrons Roundtable if you're at a certain level, and so much more. So I hope that you'll join our team and make sure that all of the content across 
Trek FM keeps coming to you each and every week. Bruce, uh, thanks for joining me. It's great to be back in the 602 Club with you. I love having you here. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you if they want to talk a little Flash or any of the other things that you're doing. You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And uh, you can find me doing our Live from the Edge show. It's part of, it's a sub show to the Edge podcast about Star Trek Discovery. And we do a live show. It's me and Brandy Jackala. We do it on Monday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, the day after a new episode of Discovery premieres on CBS All Access. And then that episode is released as a podcast later if you don't join us live. And then also on Literary Treks with Dan Gunther talking about Star Trek books and comics. And uh, when it comes to Star Wars, I'm on the Star Wars Report, and you can find that at StarWarsReport.com. And, uh, of course, I'm always in the Babel Conference. Always. That's true. I mean, there's never a time when Bruce isn't in the Babel Conference. Even when he's asleep, he's still perusing the Babel Conference. I'm sleeping in the Babel Conference. Yeah, that's why there's that weird cot in the the Babel Conference. Sorry about that, guys. Um, you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02. You can also find me on Instagram under the same name. I'm here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. We can squeeze in an episode. You can also find me on the Nerd Party Network with John Mills talking about Star Wars over on the Parsec Award-winning podcast, Aggressive Negotiations, where we dive into the crazy, the awesome, the funny, the strange, and the thought-provoking of Star Wars. You can also find me there doing Owl Post with Drea Coffin, where we walk through every single chapter of Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. We're almost finished with The Prisoner of Azkaban. It's so much fun. I hope you'll check it out. And then, last but not least, I'm doing a really cool show with my friend Courtney, where we kind of talk about the morals, meanings, and messages of films through the lens of faith, and that's called Cinema Stories. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>